All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, if you got a call from the police and they were like, Aaron's been arrested, but they wouldn't tell you the crime, what would you assume the crime was that I had committed? I would think that you hit someone you didn't like with your car. (laughs) (laughs) With my car? Yeah. Oh, Man, that's so impersonal. If I really didn't like somebody, I would hit them with a bat, you know, get the I real, mean, just really get the juice out of it. But you're know? a mom now, so I thought maybe you wouldn't use a bat. Just use your car because then they can just bounce and it like wouldn't be terrible, but you'd still be in okay. trouble. Okay. Wow. I've Okay. I mean, um, you asked unprompted. <laughs> I had no idea that was coming. Oh my god. I would assume I would assume you did something like helped facilitate the break-in to a, like, lab that does animal testing. That is so nice of you. Thank you. See, but you thought about this. I would have come up with something nicer. You you had to do it on the spot. (laughs) No, I think you would would have been, like, a facilitator for some, like, light environmental terrorism. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. That's what I see for myself, too. (laughs) Good. Light environmental terrorism. It's great. It's great. I would, I actually have been like, should I become an environmental terrorist? I mean, don't, again, because you're a mom, but like, I see the perks. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like that's more justifiable. Seems reasonable. Yeah, than other reasons that people do terrorism. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're doing great here. (laughs) We're killing it today. All right, we are super excited for you all to listen to this week's episode. Lots of fun, Mm -hmm. per usual. Runs the gamut if you will. Um, we get into news about Kamala Harris. We talk Russell Brands. Ugh. Yeah. We got we had to. Minnesota's, yeah, we had, we had, we had to. to. I'm sorry. Uh, then let us never speak of him again until and unless he gets arrested mm-hmm. uh, and thrown in jail. Thrown in sex pest jail. Uh, we also got an interview with Minnesota Senator Lindsey Port. Very cool lady doing very cool stuff. Yeah. What we, else we got to listen? We talk about uh, talk about Cults and communes, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Cults, communes with Anna Dresden, who uh, has written for SNL and is now working on Praise Petey, mm-hmm. a great cartoon that is available on Freeform. And then we got Sandy Petty. And we were petty and not that sane. No, we were not that sane. Uh, you know what? Tian Tran, Tian Tran, our pal, longtime pal, always injects sanity just by her presence. That's exactly true. Okay, everybody, this is Hysteria, which is the podcast for people who chase their dreams 
with the confidence of Corey Lewandowski romantically pursuing a woman <laughs> who is much hotter than he is. <laughs> no, Corey Lewandowski is, a, by all accounts, a very bad person. Yeah. A real, ba- a real bastard. But in terms of confidence, he is inspirational. Yes, agree. Totally. D- he dated Hope Hicks, didn't he? Yes. He dated Hope Hicks. He's now currently dating Christy Nome. I mean. The married governor of South Dakota, who is a terrible person, but beautiful on the outside. I mean, Miss North Dakota, right? Wasn't she Miss North or Dakota? South, was South. she Miss South Dakota? Which She was she a Miss Dakota. Like, she was a Miss Dakota of some she was, sort. It's, she's from South Dakota. She looks like a Miss South Dakota. There's something about all of this just messy, messy shit with Republicans, uh, including, well, look, Lauren Boebert, my my alt opener for news was uh, to chase your dreams with confidence. Don't fumble at them like Lauren Boebert <laughs> over the zipper of a, pa- of a pair of Dockers during a Sunday night performance of Beetlejuice. Um, there's there's something that that seems so arrested about the way that these people are conducting themselves, mm-hmm. like. They're acting like teenagers on a field trip. That is the perfect explanation. I was going to say that they also feel like freshmen in college who have never seen alcohol before. Yes. And then they all get the nickname Detox. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Or like keg stand. Yeah. Oh, here. Uh, Which which Kelly are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, Kelly Murphy? No, no, no. Keg stand. Keg stand Keg stand Kelly. Uh, Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, I, I think that this is the sort of behavior that happens when you do not get your yayas out and you live your whole life as an attempt to, um, push down your instincts and like you're putting your life aside so that you can do what you think you're supposed to do. But really deep down, what you want to do is like, I feel like Christy Nome, you know, is, is terrible, Mm. but her biography is kind of like there, there's a sadness to it. She, I think, she dropped out of either high school or college when her dad died to mm. help with her family farm. Like there were things that that she did in her life that prevented her from like, you know, having a having a rumspringa in her twenties. Okay. Um, she got married. She had kids. I think she's got three kids, and she's like, anyway, yeah. And now she's cheating on her husband with a man who looks like a uh, micro penis. So. Yeah. So I don't know. Boring. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Like, what? what's – I don't know. Well, like, Armed if, if she was going to have an affair – I mean, like, look, if you're going to look on the continuum of things, wouldn't you do it with someone a little bit more interesting like Matt Gates? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, really blow people's dicks Yeah. Off. Like, let's get into it. If you're going to go yeah. for it, go for it. Cool. Corey Lewandowski is like a snore. <laughs> he's a – he's like a – he's like a D-list person. He's a D-list snore. Yeah, he's a D-list snore. I wish, you know, yeah, really go blockbuster. She should have gone for like a movie star. Yeah, or like Gates, a McCarthy, singer. anybody. Do something a yeah. little bit. Get us a little more excited. <laughs> yeah, throw a little zhuzh in there, Christy, because uh, this is this was a boring move. I mean, and a lot of people have speculated in the New York Post piece mm-hmm. um, that, that quoted people saying this was like an open secret for a long time. Um, you know, a lot of people speculated that this is because Gnome was being – 
seriously considered to be uh, VP, the running mate of, of President Trump, uh, assuming that that he gets the nomination um, and uh, is not in jail. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the gloves are off. People are going to start to plant stories of, of or not plant stories. People are start going to start to talk. Yeah. You know, people who know things who don't want people to be the vice presidential nominee are going to start to talk. To the post. <laughs> To the to the post. Well, because that's the only newspaper that conservatives read. It's true. Um, I also wanted to flag real quick. There was a really good piece in the Atlantic this week by Adam Serwer, who everything he writes is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sort of highlights the fact that in in some some media people are kind of falling for Trump's attempt to rebrand himself as moderate on abortion. Um, and Serwer's piece kind of reminds us that Trump is the reason that this whole mess exists in the first place. Totally. So he doesn't get to pretend like only I can solve the problem that I caused. It's like – Like it's one of two things, his new position on abortion. It's that most likely or it's that someone's about to dime him for having paid for a couple, which we have suspected for a long time. So either way – Yeah. He's uh, – yeah. Either way, he gets no credit for his new position. And its new position is just talk about abortion differently. Right. It's not govern differently. It's talk about abortion differently. And I think that the issue here is that Republicans know that in order to raise money from their their base, they have to talk about, like, banning abortion and, like, banning birth control because that gets their base of bedridden Fox News delusional people, it gets them riled up and it gets them to like donate their disability checks to his um, legal defense fund. <laughs> yeah. To his legal defense fund, which is actually true. When, when yeah. Trump uh, first lost the election in 2020, they did an analysis of what the primary source of income was for people who were, devo- who were donating to his legal defense fund. And one of the primary sources of income for people was being on disability. I did uh, not know is, that. Yeah. That is, is fucking terrible. Deeply sad. Deeply sad. Um, anyway, so I, I think that what Republicans want is to have messaging that gets people to donate to them, mm-hmm. but they know that their messaging is going to get them to lose elections. Mm-hmm. So the only way for them to win elections is to have their abortion cake and eat it, too. Uh, and we will they, they not stand to- for that. No, that's bullshit. It's you don't bullshit. get to weasel your way out of this, you goddamn no. weasels. No. That's weasel. <laughs> weasel behavior. Weasel behavior. This may be the second time we've used weasel in like three weeks. <laughs> I like it. It's a great word. I like it. And it is very evocative. It if is. you've ever had chickens and dealt with weasels. They are fucking bad weasels. guys. Bad little guys. Bad little guys. Bad little guys. Uh, speaking of bad little guys, oh. uh, this is really unsurprising news. Alyssa, as you noted to me as we were discussing this over text, you thought that this had already been exposed. I- uh, but <laughs> I thought he was already, like, convicted of something. Yeah. Russell Brand, uh, not a good guy. No. Over the weekend, the Sunday Times, the Times, and Channel 4 dispatches, all reputable outlets with real journalists who did real journalism to produce this. They published a massive report about Brand and some of the women he has sexually assaulted, abused, and even raped. Mm. Um, One of the victims written about in the piece was only 16 when they had a relationship. The details in the piece are horrifying. Like disgusting, like stomach churning. Truly disgusting. Something that I think should be noted is that the women that came forward in the piece don't know each other. 
had no way to communicate with each other. Um, he just sounds like a a, a sex like a beyond a sex pest. He's worse he's than like a, a sex pest. He's a fucking yeah, he's, he's a predator. He's a predator. Yeah, he's a predator, and he's gotten away with it for a really long time. The instances that they talk about span from I think. 2006 mm-hmm. to 2013, um, as you and I both know, Alyssa, when journalists publish things like this, they don't publish everything they have. Right, of course um, not. Because there's always stuff that they couldn't quite get the final confirmation on. So you can kind of rest assured that whatever is in this piece, and it's a lot, it is a long piece and it's a lot, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also a documentary about it. And uh, it's it's really it's really intense. If it's like a sensitive topic for you to hear about, you might not want to read about it um, or watch the documentary. But it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, Brand is responding. Um, Brand is kind of responding in a typical kind of predator flail. I would say mm. the Times and Sunday Times gave Brand and his team. Eight days to reply to the allegations. That always happens before right. a publication publishes something. Um, like I've talked about on the podcast, it bothers me when, like, in movies, the antagonist is, like, watching the news and they see a news story about them. Yeah. And they're like, what? It's like, no. They should have reached out to you before to confirm the details. <laughs> anyway, so they reached out to Brand eight days before the story ran to be like, look, this is what we've got. What is your reply? Because even if the allegations could be proven false, mm-hmm. that is also a story. Right. You know, then why are these these stories floating on? But, you know, he didn't. He, they didn't respond at first. They wouldn't give uh, him the names of the women. His team ca- characterized it as part of a preconceived strategy aimed at damaging Brand. Um, they said that it was a campaign against Brand because he's outside of the mainstream media. What? Which, Jesus Christ. I, dude, I— have never heard of your show. Like, ever. I, I didn't even realize he was into wellness until I read this article. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've I've seen, I've seen, like, speculation and people kind of highlighting different times that, that comedians have alluded to this mm-hmm. um, for years. Like, there's clips of interviews of comedians being like, there's a fucking predator in, you know, in comedy who's, like, really high up. And, People protected him, and and people didn't say anything. And the only uh, the only person who said anything was uh, Daniel Sloss, who is a uh, I think he's a Scottish comic. Um, he spoke on the record. He went on the um, the documentary on camera. He said he'd heard the rumors more than ten years ago. He said that female comics had set up online groups that they used to warn each other privately. Um, in the article, the authors of the article said they'd seen some of the text messages. Um, and Sloss said he's known for many years. He's also said that um, he feels like the only way for male comics to stop this is to call people out by name. You can't just mm-hmm. stand by. Like, if you want to, fi- if you see the problem, but you're not actively working to solve the problem, you are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So I mean, Alyssa, you thought that this was already a thing. You thought it was I did. I was like, didn't we know he was a predator? Like we knew he was really fucking mean to Katy Perry. I mean, I feel like that was well known, and she seems very nice. Ugh. So that seems doubly terrible. But she seems like such a sweet lady, such a nice lady, and he seems to me actually like he does to me. I don't know. He looked. He looks like someone who was <laughs> okay. 
I have always – there was an episode a very long time ago of Law & Order SVU about a cult leader, <laughs> and he looks like this guy, and I and I can't unsee that. Like, I've always been like, oh, he looks like a fucking shady dude. But, like, you read these articles – you read these allegations. It is stomach-turning. I mean, like, I think it is, like, Harvey Weinstein-level predatory, disgusting hundred behavior. 100%. And, you know, again, the the – the um, reporters made the point, and I've seen it on on news reports too, that this is a report. This is not the police. The police have not come after him. Like this is literally just a news report at this point. And mm. uh, well, just to, just to say, I think journalists work harder than cops. <laughs> I mean, and when it comes to <laughs> investigating sex crimes, I think journalists work way harder than. The police do. Yeah. I mean, this was uh, – this is disgusting, and I hope that he gets all of the consequences he deserves for this behavior. Yeah. And the usual suspects are standing up for him. Uh, oh, yeah. Edge, people who are so uh, – Is it Joe so Rogan? So what? contrarian that their brains have become smooth. Um, it's just it, – it's, it's the usual suspects, but, you know, there is an architecture of – media out there, yeah. unfortunately, that basically exists to promote, promote misogyny and uh, and it is not the mainstream, but it I'm sure will welcome Brand with open arms. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's a shame. But he's never going to be a mainstream star again. No, never. Disgusting. Um, yeah. What is it with like BBC presenters? Because he was a BBC presenter. Right. So it was like Jimmy Sa Saville. Is that his name? Yes. Saville? Yes. Who is a like a sex monster? Yeah, like what? It guys. Well, maybe guys. no, Aaron. Maybe it's just that their sex predator pests are getting their comeuppance just a little far behind us because we had some media sex pests too. We did have some media sex pests, and um, a friend of mine pointed out that like he probably knew when Me Too happened about this stuff, and yeah. he probably knew it was only a matter of time. Um, and so you know. He probably knew that this was coming, but it's crazy that he didn't do a better job preparing. For yeah, it. that's that's you know what, Aaron, that's hubris. That's him yeah. thinking that he it may come for him, but he's got it. He's got it covered. Yeah, he's yeah. smarter right. than everybody. And that it's just it's an archetype. I wonder how many more. It's because it's never like all right, we got him. That's the last sex pest. They're yeah. all gone. No. Because there's always people who aim to achieve positions of power for the express purpose of hurting people, harming people, having what they believe is unfettered sexual access to people, mm -hmm. being so powerful that they're able to do whatever they want to people without facing any consequences. For some people that are true monsters, that is the appeal of achieving success. Right. Like part of the package is you get to whatever you victimize want. people. Yes. You can do whatever you want. And uh, I'm sure that he's he's not the first, and I'm sure he won't be the last. Um, but it is really good to see Daniel Sloss speaking yeah, out. it was great. Um, and it is a shame that he's the only one that was willing to go on camera. Yeah. All right. On to stateside news. Um, why is everybody so obsessed with Kamala Harris? Oh, should we talk about misogyny again? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, terrific. Terrific. Aaron, I am exhausted by hearing about Kamala, and it's not Kamala's fault. Republican candidates are obsessed 
with the vice president. In particular, Nikki Haley, because you know what, Aaron? If Nikki Haley is both a woman and a woman of color, she can't be misogynist or racist. Have you heard that? Yeah, she can't possibly be self-hating enough to change her name. No. Or anglicized. No. This is exhausting. And I'm going to put the Republican candidates aside because I actually don't think they're the biggest problem. I mean, they're exploiting the, uh, they are exploiting this idea that Joe Biden is, President Biden is too old. And therefore, if they, if they make Kamala a villain too, it'll be like, see, you can't vote for them because if something happens to him in his eighties, you're going to get her. And I mean, it's kind of, I see it as their playbook. It doesn't, it's not that confusing. But what is kind of confusing is why the media is buying into it. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. why they are making it this sort of, like, legitimate argument that somehow there is something wrong with Vice President Kamala Harris. It's like, you know, Aaron, we had a, uh, we had a vice president who was a woman once before, and her name was Selena Myers. (laughs) And, like... (laughs) I was like, what? <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, the way that pundits talk about her, Vice President Harris has more in common with Selena Meyer than the 49 other vice presidents uh, who have served our country. And right now, look, on the one hand, I think that Kamala was dealt a really tough hand. You know, she was given the issue of immigration to handle as vice president, which all the work on earth that she could put into it, all of the good things she could accomplish, it is one of the most complicated issues this country has to tackle. And it's never going to be something where they're like, look at her, she killed it, she solved immigration. That's just not going to happen. And so I am excited to see her hitting the trail right now. She is out energizing the youth, Erin. One of our favorite news outlets, The 19th, uh, has been reporting on her. She's starting on a college tour. Um, young people are some of the most important people we can get out to vote in 2024. And so, you know, I'm hoping that this gives her an opportunity to sort of cast her own narrative and talk about the things that she's passionate about. She has been on the forefront of talking about uh, abortion since Roe v. Wade uh, was, you know, overruled. Um, And she's been doing Great. And the fact that all anybody can say is like, she's got like an annoying laugh. What? And like, I don't know what it says about our country that right now there was an, there were aggregated polls done uh, in July, Aaron, that said her approval rating was lower than Dick Cheney. How can that be possible? I mean, I I believe it to be so. Uh, It's also lower than Al Gore, who remember everybody found very boring and stiff. But it is like, The vice presidency – hold on. I have a quote that I wanted to pull that I found when I was researching this. John Adams called the vice presidency the most insignificant office that ever the invention of man contrived or his imagination conceived. Being vice president is brutal. And part – I don't know. You and I talked about this, I think, back in 2020, that like it's almost like we wanted a woman to be president before she was vice president because this was all very handwriting on the walls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I think this is a good preview of what the general election is going to be. It's going to be way more about Kamala Harris than it should be. Um, Bad faith, racism, sexism, et cetera. But I also wanted to to flag that while Kamala Harris is – 
like unpopular with the population at large. There are portions of the population that are very important to the Democratic vote Mm -hmm. that are really into Kamala Harris. Like she's drawing big crowds on this college tour. She is, and, and I don't think the pundit class understands that, like, there's this kind of, like, stupidity, like, insular thinking that a lot of the pundit class engages in a lot. And that's why I don't really watch cable news because it's just like, oh, my God, you guys, get out of fucking the beltway. Um, it's that they don't understand that there's an entire world out there, an entire country out there that doesn't necessarily think like them. Mm-hmm. And actually, they are the people that don't think like most people, that they they all kind of hang out together and talk together and they reinforce their own little weird subculture yeah. within American politics. But most people don't think and talk like they do. Um, and I don't think that those people are necessarily like the voices of the people in any way, shape, or form. And And when it comes to Kamala being unpopular, the way that pundits talk about her, it seems like they are like, well, nobody that I like, nobody that I hang out with really thinks highly of her. So therefore, nobody thinks highly right. of her. Right, right. And it, it, that's just that's just patently And what false. about her makes them think not highly of her? I don't know. Right? You're going to have to put on my thinking cap. Mm-hmm. Gonna it's have it's to put confusing, Erin. I mean, for, on one hand, on one hand, this is like a classic example of where it's it's never just sexism. It's never just racism. It's never it's always tied up with other things that make you feel crazy for even suggesting or like trying to parse out the isms mm-hmm. from the other things that they're tied up in. It is true that Kamala Harris has been handed a challenging slate mm-hmm. of things to tackle. And some would say unfairly challenging, like immigration that oh my brutal. God. <laughs> Nobody like it the, a brutal topic to tackle and you know she's maybe not necessarily been utilized in a way that plays her strengths mm-hmm. up she's kind of been given tasks that it seems other people in the administration don't want to do and so yeah on one hand there are ways in which Kamala Harris's performance in cert- as certain aspects of like the vice presidency have been like underwhelming yeah. disappointing but i don't know any i don't know if there's any possibility of anybody doing a better job. Um, you know, so yeah, it, pe- there are legitimate reasons to criticize Harris, but woven into those legitimate reasons are people that have like just a smidgen of the legit reason, mm-hmm. but it's mostly sexism and racism. Um, and there are people who just only have sexism and racism and and that that it, that's why that's why like all the isms when they're directed at you or you're witnessing them happening, they make you feel crazy. Right. Because you're like Am I what am this? I seeing? What is going on? Here? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Like, is it is it possible that she's there's like a reason to criticize her and that people are being sexist and racist against her? And I think that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. All right. Well, this election is already annoying as fuck. Uh, and we still have more than a year to go. And uh, part of the reason, I'm not the only one who thinks this election is already annoying as fuck. Part of the reason I think it's annoying is because I don't trust a lot of what politicians say. Mm -hmm. We have seen over and over again that um, it doesn't really matter what politicians... Politicians will say whatever it takes in public, especially like right-wing politicians. Hell, people will say whatever it takes in front of uh, congressional testimony. Oh, God. In in confirmation hearings, they'll say whatever it takes to get what they want, and then there is... uh, And if somebody calls them out for hypocrisy or calls them out for lying, they're like, whoops. I just changed my mind. 
Yeah, your fault for believing me. And yeah, I'm far from alone. The 19th News just released survey results from a comprehensive study on women in politics. And one of the major findings was that Americans, regardless of their political affiliation, don't trust politicians to make decisions about abortion and gender-affirming care. Yeah, yeah. no shit. Sounds right. These, <laughs> these people could not label the anatomy of, like, the reproductive system if they were given, like, a cheat sheet. These people are absolute fucking science morons. But the one thing that's interesting about said report is that even 58% of Republicans don't think think politicians should not focus on the transgender issue. Oh, okay. And yet here we are. Here we are. Um, I think this is another example of what we talked about earlier, which is that focusing on the transgender issue matters to people who are willing to donate mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And so when they're yelling about this shit, it gets people who care people who care about this care to a spectacularly creepy degree. Yeah. Spectacularly creepy. And they're willing to support anybody who says the wildest shit about regulating bodily autonomy when it comes to trans people. Meanwhile, the majority of people are just like, what is, it's, I think it's literally. Live and let live. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. God. No, we couldn't possibly do that in this country. Um, Can I say really quickly before we take a break Hmm. uh, and get to our interview, which I'm really excited Mm -hmm. for. What is Lauren Boebert doing? Other than being gross? What is she doing? Like, but why does she keep trying to, like, when she first got kicked out of the theater, she tried to play it off, like, haha, it's funny. And it's like, okay, I guess she's like trying to be a good sport about some bad behavior. Mm-hmm. But the more that's come out about it, I'm like, bitch, what are you doing? This is not like, you don't, you, you can't just turn this into a joke. Yeah, this is, you did it. You did it. What are it's you on camera. doing? Girl, it's not fu- it's not funny. It's not funny. I mean, it would have been sort of funny if she was like, uh, everybody should go to Beetlejuice. I went and I had a ball. That would be funny. But if you're someone who's trying to regulate the behavior of everyone around you, you cannot be surprised when people become amused by your behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also kind of was thinking like, you know, she's getting a lot of flack. For, you know, she there, there's footage because when you go to a theater of a live performance, they have cameras that are trained at the crowd in case there's like a medical emergency that are like right. kind of infrared low light cameras. It's a security reason. Like people can see what you're doing. You know, it's a bad place for a hand job or a finger bang oh, God. or a God. Their second base. Oh. Don't do it. The people, you are being watched. It just because it is dark doesn't mean people can't see you, you fucking moron. Um at first, you know, when when this the footage came out of of Bobert and her date sort of being handsy with each other, I thought, um, are we being like too hard on her and not hard enough on this guy? But then I was like, no, this guy is just some fucking guy, right? Like he's right. he's gross, he's gross, and he's trash. Also, she is gross and she's trash, and she is a member of Congress who has made it her business to regulate the sexuality of other people and to accuse trans people and LGBTQ people of being groomers when she is, like, performing sex. I mean, she is a trash and a hypocrite. Yeah. Like, at least the guy she was with, just plain trash. She's trash and a hypocrite. Yes. Yeah, it is is baffling to me. Like, as my niece would say, she exhausting. 
She doesn't know how to act. No. We can't we we got to elect. Look, I I I Fetterman is a great example of somebody who's just sort of like he just is who he is, mm-hmm. you know. They're relaxing the dress code so he can wear his XXL hoodies in Congress, whatever. I am not offended by him wearing whatever. I'm not offended by people wearing basically whatever they want mm-hmm. in Congress. Bobert can wear her her like, you know, Cocktail waitress, Vegas cocktail waitress getup that she wore to the Beetlejuice thing. Oh to, right, to yeah. Congress for all I care. I don't care. Um, but yeah, that's uh, she's just like trash and doesn't know how to act. No, she has no home training. Sec- no, no home training. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, Minnesota Senator Lindsey Port on how her state was able to get so much done this session. Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that fits a lot into a small bucket, the Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar of podcasts. Minnesotans know what I'm talking about, Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar, Minnesota State Fair Institution. And speaking of Minnesota, our guest today has been a state senator in Minnesota since 2020. She's the chair and founder of the state's Reproductive Freedom Caucus, and she spends her time fighting for all the things we love on Hysteria, from environmental legislation to paid family leave. Senator Lindsay Port, welcome to Hysteria. So nice to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to talk to you because we talk about bummers a lot. And I, I feel like Minnesota is such a bright shining star in in a sea of bummers a lot of times. The list of policies Minnesota passed during the 2023 legislative session is so impressive. But before we get into details of what passed, how were you able to do it? It's a really good question. Um, you know, we built the the machine to be able to pass that amount of policy really through the campaign. Um, in 2020, I think a lot of people didn't think we could win the Senate. We were in the minority. It was looking like a tough year for Democrats. Um, but frankly, a bunch of women decided, uh, looking at all of, as you put it, the bummers that are happening around the world, women were pissed off. And we felt like it was a real opportunity to talk about women's rights, to talk about the things that we as women, as mothers, um, as students really wanted from our communities. And so we went out and fought for that through the campaign. We won and we put women in leadership and we really just started running on day one and did not stop until session was done. Yes. You were chief author of the cannabis bill that passed earlier this year, legalizing Uh, recreational use. What makes this bill such a unique progressive one, especially compared to the way weed was legalized in other states? Yeah, we really tried to learn from the lessons that other states had done. We wanted to pass the most progressive social equity focused bill um, and really create a model for other states to follow. So we tried to take what had worked in other states um, and then learn lessons from what had not worked. We put uh, the expungement piece at the center of the bill. Uh, We're the only state that has automatic expungements. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fill out a form or go into a courthouse or apply. It automatically happens for all non-felony convictions. So misdemeanors uh, that that over 60,000 people have um, in Minnesota. Uh, So that's a huge part right away. 
Um, and then we really built uh, social equity applicants as the sort of second centerpiece of it. We knew that as, as this policy takes place, as a whole industry stands up in Minnesota, we wanted to make sure that the communities that had been most harmed were really poised to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that we were setting up with building a whole new industry. So we created social equity applicants, which will be first in line to get licenses to be able to grow, to sell, to distribute. Um, we knew that that had to be kind of the cornerstone of the bill that we put into place. Mm-hmm. Well, my brother is a public defender in Duluth, and uh, I feel like he uh, got to have some really, really nice conversations <laughs> with some of his clients as a result of that. Yeah, bill finally, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, another win we wanted to highlight was paid family and medical leave, which is now available for up to 12 weeks at a time in your state. Have you already started seeing the impact of this bill since it passed? And if so, how does that look? Yeah, it's not up and running yet. Um, We're getting the administration sort of piece of it up and running this year, and then it'll start to take effect next year. But we're already getting people asking about it. And we have seen that um, more private employers are starting to offer to fill that gap um, from now until it starts, because as soon as it passed, employees started clamoring for it. Um, It really is outrageous that we are a country that doesn't offer standardized paid family leave. Um, And this really felt like a key piece. It's a thing we heard about a lot in rural Minnesota, actually, across greater Minnesota. This is a thing that like, there's not someone to necessarily fill in a gap when you're not able to work. Um, There's not, you can't pick up a little part-time job that maybe you can do from home that you can, you know, try to make ends meet. That just doesn't exist in parts of the state, but the need to take care of parents when they're aging and sick to take care of a sick family member and to bond with your new child is just something people shouldn't have to choose between that and a paycheck. We're really excited how much positive reaction we've gotten from that bill. And I can say I live in California right now, but I'm, I grew up in the Twin Cities area, mm-hmm. but across the border in Wisconsin. And uh, a lot of people in a high cost of living state like California now, especially with kids, um, are talking about relocating. It's just gotten to a point where a lot of people are like, can't live here anymore. Like we should go somewhere. Minnesota is a state that like is in the mix when people talk about relocating. And I think part of it is because they're taking proactive steps to be hospitable to families. They're not taking actively hostile steps um, like a lot of states are. So, I mean, I honestly, this is just me reading the vibes. I wouldn't be surprised if there were people from higher cost of living states choosing Minnesota because of the care that you guys have taken yeah. to show uh, for people who have families that they need to care for. So that's that's pretty yeah. exciting. You know, I think people think of sometimes think policies are like, oh, it's just this academic policy. But we really tried this year to think about quality of life for people. What does it mean in the everyday lives? Which paid family leave is a huge part of, but so is universal meals for kids mm-hmm. in schools. So is the PRO Act that protects, like codifies into law a person's right to reproductive freedom and reproductive health care. So is the trans refuge bill. You know, we wanted families in Minnesota who have trans kids or trans family members to know that Minnesota is a safe place um, to come. So it really kind of spanned 
the whole gamut of what we we put together this year. Um, and we welcome people, you know, Minnesota <laughs> is open. Come, come and join us. <laughs> you just talked about the Protect Reproductive Freedom Options or PRO Act, as it's yep. also called. You're also a member of the Reproductive Freedom Caucus. Erin and I are our own Reproductive Freedom Caucus over here. I love here. it. You um, can join ours too. What <laughs> are, is there anything else about the bill that we should know? And what else is the Reproductive Freedom Caucus going to tackle uh, in the coming sessions? Yeah, absolutely. I love the Reproductive Freedom Caucus. It was something we started during 2020 as we were watching sort of the world crumble around reproductive freedom. Um, and we saw the writing on the wall that it was likely the Supreme Court was going to strike down Roe. Um, and so we started it. We now have 88 members between mm. the House and the Senate. It's the biggest legislative caucus. Um, and it's the first time we've had a reproductive freedom caucus that's actually focused on this work. Are um, there men? Are there, there men? There are the men. There are oh. a lot of men. Yeah. Um, though I will say it's led by women. Um, As it should and, be. And really, the work is done there. The PRO Act was a huge lift. Um, we passed it in the first couple of weeks of session. And it it was, um, in Minnesota, we say interesting. It was interesting <laughs> um, to, to see the reaction. I will never forget uh, one of my colleagues on the floor sort of yelling at us to, ladies, come to your senses. Like we were just this band of crazy women asking for some <laughs> absurd thing rather than just saying a person and their doctor should have the right to make the decisions about what happens with your body. Um, it was a 15 hour long debate that went till five in the morning. Um, it was absurd. And for us, that was starting point number one. We also removed um, most of the restrictions on abortion. So like, um, you know, a 24 hour waiting period after a doctor reads you a statement uh, that says an abortion may cause ovarian cancer, which it does not, um, you know, things like that. We removed all of those restrictions, most of which had been already ruled unconstitutional in Minnesota, but were still on the books. So we really tried to broaden um, the availability and access for people to get abortion care, especially because we knew people would be coming here from other states. Um, so that was a huge part of it. We also worked on the trans refuge bill. That was a big key piece for us um, to make sure that the trans kids here in Minnesota and in other states would know that this was a place they could come to. Um, we passed the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act to protect doctors uh, in Minnesota who provide abortions to patients from states where it's restricted, that Minnesota will not go along with um, those sort of prosecutions across state lines, things like that. And for next year, we're working on focusing on um, accessibility, so continuing to raise the rates that providers are paid through Medicare. We want universal abortion coverage on all insurance. Um, and we're looking at making sure that there's universal coverage, uh, $0 out-of-pocket coverage for over-the-counter birth control as mm. we're looking at that come online as well. You know, Alyssa and I have talked about this on this show about how, like, post-Dobbs, mm. states that have protected uh, reproductive freedom are states that are going to be more appealing to pretty much every person of reproductive mm -hmm. age, like from college. I would yeah. imagine if I was a 
pr- prospective freshman in college and I was choosing between being a golden gopher or being a badger, I would probably choose Even, going to Minnesota. As yeah. a badger, I would say I would probably <laughs> choose being a gopher at this point too. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you have discussed? Like the state in general is kind of, it gives you almost like a competitive advantage for like the best workers, for the best students, Mm -hmm. for like, it's really, I'm interesting how the, I'm interested in seeing how the next five years or so will play out because it seems like you guys are laying the groundwork to make Minnesota a place that people are like, oh yeah, that's like one of the best states. Let's go there. Yeah, you know, that was one of the arguments we made. There's, you know, multiple arguments you can make on all of these, right? It's the right thing to do. It helps support equality. It's social justice. It moves us forward. And then sometimes that message still doesn't work with some of our colleagues. And they're like, oh, but it's hard. Or (laughs) I don't want to get yelled at. Or I don't know. That seems like a lot. Can't we not talk about abortion anymore? And that's when we could make the the economic argument too, right? Like we are making Minnesota a great state to live in and workers are very mobile these days. You can move states, you can work, live in one state and work in another state. We wanted to make sure that Minnesota was a place people wanted to choose to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that feels ripe for spooky season. We, mm-hmm. we start spooky season here like September 1. I love that. Yeah, we hear Minnesota is cooking up some legal action that might prevent Trump from being on the ballot next year. So tell us more, because we'd love to hear that story. Yeah, so it's come up. Um, there's a group of people who, you know, believe that he's already done enough, uh, you know, treason against our country <laughs> um, to not be able to be on the ballot. And uh, they're moving forward with a lawsuit. We'll have to see where it goes. But I think you know, our work will never stop to make sure that this is not a place where even if he is on the ballot, that he could get elected again. Um, I was, I ran for the first time in 2016 uh, for the state house. I lost that night and losing sucks, but losing when you also watch Donald Trump win is just like a special kind of brutal that (laughs) I, I just can't, we can't go back. We cannot go back. And so we're already starting to the work to make sure that that's not the kind of uh, person that Minnesota would elect again. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also your superhero origin story. Yes. I think. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we start. Cut to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Senator Lindsay Port, thank you so much for joining us on Hysteria. Congratulations on all you've accomplished in Minnesota. And we look forward to what's next. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes, 
And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito... (laughs) <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ bar's ultimate sampler pack. That's seven IQ bars, four IQ mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. I refuse to be uncomfortable if I want to be productive. I refuse (laughs) to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle. Which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very like on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a oh yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm gonna just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah, perfect, perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. 
That's perfect. He is like I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who know the right way to peel an avocado. Alyssa, what is the right way to peel an avocado? I don't know. Uh, Okay. I was like, I feel very put on the spot right now. I think that you cut it around the center and then you take a knife and you make a grid and then you turn it inside out and you use a spoon and you gently scrape it into whatever you're eating. Tian's giving me a head head nod. But what if you want to maintain the integrity of the avocado. It's like... Oh, then if you want like the shape of the avocado, then you uh use a spoon and you gently go around the edge, ultimately getting underneath and taking it out. Okay. See, if I spend a lot of money and or spend a lot of time waiting for my avocado to get ripe, I take to a YouTube video to make sure I'm not ruining it. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Um, And that reminds me of like kind of – I don't know why, but like I feel like retaining the shape of the avocado would be something that they used in like gross 70s recipes. We're like – and then in the inside – You're going to stuff it with some crab salad. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. There's a scoop. It's like gelatin. It would be gelatinous though, like a gelatinous – crab. Anyway. Why did you have to take aspic into, bring aspic into this conversation? (laughs) I'm sorry. Put it in. I'm going to take it out by bringing in our panel. Our first panelist is a comedian, writer, and actor. LA listeners, catch her new stand-up show with Peter Kim called OK Wow on (laughs) October 3rd at the Lyric Hyperion. Tian Tran, welcome to Hysteria. Hello. How you doing? (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm good. Perfect reading of our our stand up show now. That was that was perfect. Excitement. Okay. Wow. Is thank you for that. There's an exclamation point. So I assumed. No, it's that's exactly right. It wasn't a question mark. It wasn't like okay. Wow. Yes. If it were a question mark, you would. Okay. Um, I want to go. I keep wanting to go do things, but then my child keeps needing things. And it's like <laughs> – it, oh. it is Tuesday at a 9.30, so it's not the best oh, – okay. it's not the most ideal time. But if you're free, come on out. Okay. That sounds super fun. Also, that's a great venue. And you've done other stuff there too, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great venue. Good place to see comedy if you're in L.A. All right, rounding out our panel. Our next panelist is also a comedian, writer, and actor. She's written for a little show called Saturday Night Live. Hmm, heard of it, where she was head writer for seasons 46 and 47. And most recently, she created the animated show Praise Petey, now streaming on Hulu and Freeform. Anna Dresden, welcome to Hysteria. Hi, thanks for having me. It is so good to see you. And congratulations on the show and on everything. Woo woo. Congratulations on I Worshipped You from the years 2007 until now <laughs> as a star Jezebel commenter. Oh. And I will never be normal around you. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, I understand you've worked places too. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> no, if one of those places was Jezebel in circa 2010. Oh, no. Um, I was, I, I came up at Vice a little after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> I will never worship. No, I also listen to your audiobook while doing laundry. Oh, as and it should be listened. Yes. That's, I think that's how it was. I think it says that it's, on. It's how I promoted it. Just yeah. while you do laundry or scrub they a bathroom. It, they sell it with certain uh, washer dryers. So you can get a copy of, of Alyssa's book. Um, Anna, fun anecdote related to Jezebel. My daughter, who is almost two, a few months ago picked up my phone and was playing with it. And I realized when I looked at it later that she had called Anna Holmes, the former editor in chief of Jezebel. <laughs> oh. uh, what did they talk about? I don't know, but it was like a 10 second phone call. And so I texted Anna the next day. No, we had no bad blood between us. I just hadn't spoken to her in years. I texted her the next day. I was like, I think my kid called you yesterday. And she was like, I'm in LA. Anyway, we went and got coffee and caught up and she's, yeah, she's doing great. She's working on a book. She's, uh, she's doing great. <gasps> Oh my God! Yeah. This is huge for me. I know that that that's God. You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> to me too. Also, she's like a little bit God still, even though. Oh, I was saying that God was acting through your daughter. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, no, Anna Holmes seems. like... I actually believe that. Yeah. That's the one I believe. Been, God yeah. is acting through your daughter. <laughs> oh my God! Imagine how annoying it would be to have a child in like communication with God. It's like, all right, he know, told the me, baby prophet, <laughs> the <Yeah>. baby prophet. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that would be super annoying. Baby speaking profit. speaking of profits, Maybe Anna, let's talk about your show. Yes. Um, can you – okay. I, wa- I want you to have the chance <laughs> to give our listeners an explanation of, like, what the general premise of the show is. And then can you give us a sense of, like, how you came up with the idea and, and how the show went from your head to freeform? Yeah. Praise Petey is a cartoon <laughs> where they kiss. Ooh. It's a slutty cartoon <laughs> uh, about a big city girl. It's like a parody of rom-coms where the big city bitch has to walk through the mud in the, the country. Mm-hmm. And, in heels, uh, obviously. <laughs> in heels. You, listen, there's no other way. Uh, yeah, it's a... What? Who wrote this show? Why is this hard? <laughs> like, it's a sandwich. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Praise Petey is a rom-com about a big city girl who moves to the country to take over her dad's cult, and hijinks ensue. <laughs> um, is that it? She takes over Sounds the, amazing. You've got some incredible voice talent on the show, including you. Who else, like, can you tell our listeners about who else is the cast of your show? No, I think I want to keep the focus on me. <laughs> I'm in it. Um yeah, we have Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek, who's incredible. John Cho, Christine Baranski, Kiersey Clemens, <gasps> Stephen Roach, Alfred Molina, question mark. 
He was in Frida. Amazing. He did our cartoon. Mm. Um, Michael Sarah, Alex Song Shaw from UCP, uh, Patty Harrison, Mitra Juhari. Whoa. Keenan Thompson. Okay. The, uh, an, Everybody. Enough. That's a enough. No. Yeah. <laughs> I can have control over just saying names. The rest <laughs> of this is out of my hands. Oh man, that is such a that's an incredible cast. Um something yeah. that that's like I is super interesting about your show and about a lot of your comedy, um, is that it sort of plays with the idea of the girl boss. It both satirizes it and at the same time, like, you know, one critic wrote um, of Praise PD that all of the best lines are delivered by women. So you're kind of like satirizing Aww. the girl boss, but also, you know, all of the jokes and the humor comes from girls. And so all the power in the show is like female derived. How did you get to the cult? Like, how did you get from the idea of like girl boss, girl power to like leading a cult? Yeah, I mean, like, I think the quintessential sitcom character state of being is someone with a good attitude who has impossible goals and mm-hmm. uh, no way to get there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just like the the can-do attitude because I've had it, too, about, like, I'm going into this toxic, horrific situation and I'm going to absolutely slay. <laughs> I just think that's it's funny to watch someone step on rakes for 20 minutes. Um, yeah. So I knew I wanted her to take over something. I think for a little bit, it was a factory of some sort, like new in town starring Renee Zellweger. Um <laughs> And cult, it was, I was watching Wild Wild Country around this time and that it just, it seemed like a lovely, it's in the country and this would be a fun place for a city girl to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I also love the show Heart of Dixie starring Rachel Bilson. I love that show. Oh. <laughs> I do too. Whoa, it's so I'm so- good. I'm sorry, I can't join in, but I, I hear it's great. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. It's like, yep, that's me on a stinky bus. It's like the first line. It's heaven. (laughs) Um, Virgin River, one of the top shows on Netflix, Mm -hmm. according to Netflix. So (laughs) grain of salt. But yeah, it's it's so fun to watch like big city girl kind of order a macchiato from a tree and be like, why isn't it working? Um, and yeah, Freeform wanted to do girl cartoon and I was working with Greg Daniels and Mike Judge and they thought that that was a safe bet. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that was, that's yeah. a safe bet for a, <laughs> for cartoons for sure. Um, your girl cartoon, as you put it, though, does have girl some cartoon. like kind of like weird themes. I think in, in episode one, not to spoil, she tries to convince them to stop doing human sacrifice. Um, was there anything that like people bumped up against as you were like pitching this show that were like, mm, this seems like you need to dial this back? Or did you pitch anything that people kind of noted away that were that was like too extreme? Yeah, they were like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no, I think I think there was concern that it was too extreme and also that PD getting rid of it would be too upending. They were like, if that's really their way of life then wouldn't they kill her for trying to get rid of it? Mm. Which it just seemed like it was difficult to kind of play with some of the cult themes and the like genre elements uh, while still reminding people that it's a comedy. Like once we Mm -hmm. started treating things with weight and gravity, 
it just the funny stuff wasn't going to play. And that was always what was most important to us. Um, but yeah, but then, I mean, I don't know if you're, you've seen that, not Glenn Beck, who is it? Alex Jones did a whole thing about the show based on the, oh my God. Wait, (laughs) really? Was that scary? The trailer? Yeah. Well, I, the way I found out about it was that the trailer had 3 million views on YouTube and I was like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) that's not, I don't think that's King of the Hill fans. (laughs) People just got out of sound of freedom and are excited. Um, yeah, he like him and Charlie Kirk both posted about it and said it was like evidence of Disney, the human sacrifice element specifically that you're talking about was evidence of Disney promoting a Satanist agenda and that it was blood sacrifice. That's incredible. They called Petey a little girl that was like, they were trying to connect the like groomer element. And he said, Alex Jones on his show said that he and Mike Judge are close friends and that he was going to call him because he wanted to get this confusion settled quickly because he he knew he was a good guy. Oh my God. Did he he call? No, he did not. Because they're not good friends. No. As I heard it, they were in a room one time before. (laughs) Because they both live in Texas, I think. Yeah. So that was a sleigh girl. Um. (laughs) I mean, I think that's that's the ultimate sleigh girl. I feel like if there was a pyramid of things that you would have to check for your show to meet, meet sleigh girl, it's be talked about. I mean, yeah. literally girl bossing too close to the sun. Absolutely. It was the same day that our dog trainer posted a picture of our house on his oh, no. Instagram oh, no. page. I was like, oh, oh is no. this how I die? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is, um, <laughs> did you feel a little bit like a protagonist in a show about a plucky young like, lass? It kind of has to be an episode about this at some point. Oh, for sure. <laughs> We, how, in our, you got to write it in. Yeah. You got to write it in to my journal. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe your journal. Uh, I don't know if you want to stick your dick in that hornet's nest, so no. to speak. Scared as hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the kind of on the topic of like the plucky can do protagonist. Also, like Anna wrote a book called "How to Win at Feminism: The Definitive Guide to Having It All and Then Some," um, which obviously satirizes like having a can-do attitude at the same time of like embodying it. Uh, Alyssa, do you ever feel like that character? Do you ever feel like a wannabe girl boss who's like, can do it, I could do it, and then you can't? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned that I, I worked at Vice for a period of years. <laughs> so that was definitely my, uh, this is great. I'm going to come in here and it's going to be great. And they were all like, uh, who are you? And I mean, like my first day there was one of the most humbling experiences of my of my life. They were like, someone will be down to fetch you in a minute. No. Yeah, I know. And I was like, um, I worked at the White House. They're like, yeah, we know. I'm like, okay, terrific. Here we go. So I flew a little too close to the sun there. I thought I was gonna have impact and be great. And um, nobody wanted a girl boss. <laughs> no, nope. Deanne, have you ever girl boss too close to the sun? Have you ever been like, ah, I'm gonna do it and then splat? I mean, when I before I got into comedy, I worked in life science advertising, um, which is a very, very cool field. And what I does remember that mean? If, I'm still trying to figure that out, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's for those of you who don't know, it's like business to business advertising for the like scientists and researchers 
before pharma. So it's like all the like equipment that, you know, like a, a gene, like a PCR reader, I would advertise that to other labs in their magazines that were like wow. specific to the business. So some real edgy comedy. Are you sleeping? Is everyone, <laughs> did everyone fall asleep? <laughs> so like it was my first time copywriting. I used to be in PR for that life of science advertising. And I switched over to copywriting and my creative director and like the like account VP at the time, they were just two men that kept being like, hey guys, and lady um, <laughs> in our meetings and would be like, we really need to make this PCR machine sexy. And I'm like, this is, this is hell. But at the time I was like, I will make this PCR machine sexy as fuck. So like just trying to work in an environment that I didn't really care for, but also wanted to do well. It's hell. It's hell, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say... I'm trying to think of like I, I think I'm just always girl bossing a little too close to the sun. Like I get somewhere, I get happy, I get comfortable, uh, I get hopeful, and that is just not great. Like when I start getting hopeful about what something can be when it's not the thing already, I think it's best to go through life just expecting everything to constantly be as good or worse than it is when you first encounter it. Right? Yeah. People, I agree with that. People don't get. I agree with that. Generally speaking, people don't get better. When you meet them, they are as good as they're ever going to be, or they might be worse. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the time that I girl boss too close to the sun was I was working at Merrill Lynch, Merrill Lynch. Uh, Heard of it because I needed health insurance. This was pre Obamacare, and this was like two thousand eight, which is a great time to be working at Merrill Lynch. <laughs> and um, I kind of <laughs> had it in my head that I could just like hang on white knuckled through the recession. And I did hang on white knuckled through the recession, um, but it was horrible. It was like the most awful, like soul sucking thing ever. And then, you know, I when I was pre pre preparing for the show and reading about Praise Petey and watching a couple episodes, I was like, you know, I feel like all of us have worked in a place at one point or another that felt a little like culty. Um, Anna, SNL, I know, can be very insular. Did did you draw any, any inspiration from your time working at SNL for putting together, like, how a cult would behave? Yeah, I think any workplace that's like, this is how we do it, it it's very relatable. And I think that's, like, every place. Like, I was a... Um, concierge for a while and the hotel industry is extremely like this is this is how we do it and um yeah SNL is definitely a this is how we do it place like, <laughs> we, stay, we stay up all night and we have peanut butter jelly for breakfast and then we feel really sick uh, it's like got it <laughs> uh Tian have you worked any place culty before I mean being I feel like just being a comedian and a like being in the improv world, doing stand-up, like anything related to sketch comedy. I did Second City for several years, and that is also a, this is how we do it. We're a family place. Mm -hmm. And I've never been more depressed in my life. And also it was 
one of my favorite jobs. It was just like kind of a crazy thing that I felt that, that it was like, I love this. This is so much. This is going to give me so many opportunities. And I was kind of dying inside a little bit at the same time. So, yes. Do you think like where a family is kind of a red flag? 100%. 100%. Because like any place that's like we are a family is like you will – you will will do like you'll do anything for us because we love you unconditionally. So, or like the reverse is like we'll fuck up and be terrible, but you'll just have to love us because we're family. <laughs> yeah, like people doing things for emotional reasons instead of like they would like to because they believe in the mission of the business <laughs> or because they're treated well. <laughs> yeah, I think hiring a bunch of perfectionists who thrive on disappointment is like not not a great sign. It's <laughs> like a great environment. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa, was the White House culty? You could be honest. Oh, People, no. No. Oh, no, no. No, not culty at no, all? No, not at all. Because here's why. Because President Obama was very much like um, I'm not like he got attacked a lot because people were like he has his inner circle. Okay, everyone has an inner circle. But he didn't believe in like only getting information he wanted, you know? So if he was actually, if everyone was yesing him to death, he'd be like, find me other people. Find me other people. I know this can't be right. But no, uh, Vice was the cultiest place I ever worked. I mean, I got there and they were like, they had rings, you guys. They all had rings. Yes. Yes. And you had to like do certain things to get the rings. And I was like, what? are these rings? And they're like, oh, you're not eligible for one because you just got here. And I was like, okay, that's probably not great vibes for other people in the company. (laughs) What did you have to do to (laughs) get a ring? Um, Well, you had to be there for some period of time. And whenever I said anything, I was like, you know, our budgets may be off because the green light process is too loose. And they're like, this is how we do it. And I was like, cool. Okay. What if we did? And they were like, no. And I'm like, okay. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. But no, the rings were really, uh, and they've been written about and stuff, but like the rings were really, and then when they realized I was so mad, they're like, we got you a ring. I was like, oh my God, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to oh like, I'm not going to post that you're terrible people. They were Because they weren't terrible people. I mean, they, the, the people who I'm talking about were actually lovely and I became friends with them, but as a group, they were cultish. Yeah. I mean, although Vice and the Proud Boys do have a common ancestor. They they do have a have a they common do. ancestor, which I, you know, yes, indeed they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up Vice rings to see what they looked like and I just found information about like um gambling and Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that's a hard thing to Google, I bet. Yeah. Like the TV Don't show worry. Girls. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, please send us Thanks, a photo. Liz. I want to know what this. I just imagine it's like a like I'm thinking of like almost like a Super Bowl. Ring, it is. But I know it, it can't be. It that. is. It's it's no. Gold. It was big oh. and thick, and it said Vice in the original font. You know, like and it said and it said Vice. Yes. Yep. This was largely what it looked like. This is a parody of it, no. but that's basically. It. Oh, <laughs> so stupid. That's so uncool. Uh, all right. Heaven. Final question before we take a quick break. Uh, Anna, I'm going to start with you, the person whose brain has a cult that lives inside of it. Um, if you ran a cult or a like-minded community that's healthier than a cult, what kind of cult would you run? I mean, I think every woman in their mid-30s right now is talking about, we should just do a commune. That's, yes! Yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally the and words I typed this morning. It commune. We got to, because it, 
two parents is not enough for one baby. You need so many hands. Babies are a lot. And we're all like, I'd have a baby if there was like a village around to help. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, I do know logically that apparently every commune is undone by the same kind of like bullshit coworker drama. Mm. <laughs> like people can't get on the same page about like which plastics they're going to use or not. <laughs> so I know, I know it's not the answer, no. but I would absolutely have a commune. You guys, there was an all female commune, the late 1800s until the early 1900s in Texas. And it was started by women who were escaping their abusive husbands. And it actually oh. thrived and became a profitable, like like they had businesses and stuff and it became profitable. And anyway, after learning about this not that long ago, that is when I, I developed the blueprints for my commune that will take place someday. Nice, nice. I'm in. Alyssa, I'd join that. You I would. would. Of all the it communes, would be well run and I would equitable. join yours. I, I, I would join yours. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be absolute dog shit at running a commune, but I'd be a great member of a commune. Which is all you I need. Erin, <laughs> no, you would be great because here's the thing about Maybe. a commune. You need all of the things that help make a society run. And if you actually break it down, you don't need any of the terrible professions. You need doctors. You need teachers. You need farmers. You need blacksmiths. You need plumbers. You need carpenters. Like this is – it is the best – if you actually think about what it would take to make a commune thrive, it's actually kind of the best parts of society. Hmm. Alyssa, what about the coders? I, we don't need them bro. because we'll all live near each other, just, so we don't have to talk to anybody via a device. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I was have... like, oh, oh no, what about co- comedians? <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a skill. We'll give those. you a skill. Okay, thank you. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, everybody's gonna stick around, and we're going to do Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. 
Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that will tell you that you have something in your teeth right away, but in a way that doesn't make you feel bad. Okay, before we get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, some announcements for the class. The second GOP presidential debate is coming up on Wednesday, September 27th. That's next Wednesday, which means it's time for another Friends of the Pod exclusive group thread. Join us on Discord for live reactions and commentary during the episode. Your favorite Crooked hosts and staff, including us, will be watching with you as this magical night unfolds. Will Vivek Ramaswamy incite another pylon? Probably. Will Ron DeSantis finally master the human smile? We're pulling for you, buddy. Will Tommy get drunk and start posting gifts? When is he not? We're on the edge of our seats. Don't miss out. Subscribe to Friends of the Pod to join our group thread at crooked.com slash friends. All right. Welcome to Sandy Petty, everybody. I hope you have your sanity corners or petty items prepared. Alyssa, I heard a rumor that you know what you're going to talk about. I would love to hear. Are you feeling petty? Or Sanity Corner this week? Sanity Corner, Aaron. Sanity Corner. And it's I think it's thanks to you because I think you're the one who shared this article in our group chat, which I didn't just read. I lived until about 10 o'clock last night. You guys, Jason Bateman has a podcast. People have probably heard of it. And two years ago, they were uh, – the premise of the podcast, which is what makes it funny, is that – of the three hosts, two of the hosts do not know who the secret guest is. And uh, Jason Bateman – I'm sorry. Aaron knows. I actually sent Aaron a video last night of me just laughing because I was yeah. like, you have to know how funny I think this is. Jason Bateman's computer lost its shit while they were trying to record. And Matthew McConaughey, who was the guest, was in the waiting room while Jason Bateman is losing his mind. And it's all recorded. And my favorite part is he says, we have to cancel and reschedule. I'm in a tailspin. I'm in a fucking tailspin. <laughs> and if you have ever been a guest on a podcast or you are a host of a podcast, you feel this intensely. And the best part was, <laughs> as he is in the tailspin, Matthew McConaughey unmutes himself and starts mocking everything that Jason Bateman has said. I'm rebooting. I'm starting over again. I'm reinstalling. I'm just, it was like, and, and the reason this came up is because Matthew McConaughey is now two years later back on the podcast to finally record and they brought it all back up. And I was sobbing, crying, sending Aaron notes that just said, I've been a tailspin. I've been a tailspin. Because sometimes this happens to us. And so anyway, I enjoyed it. If you want to listen to it and snort like I did, it's the first 15 minutes of their current podcast with Matthew McConaughey. And it is a joy and a delight. And after uh, months of not laughing that hard, I really, I really fucking got into it. And Aaron now is only going to get text messages that say, I'm in a fucking tailspin when we record our podcast. Yeah. McConaughey <laughs> laughing hysterically at one point and Bateman going, yeah, that's real, real helpful. helpful. Real that's helpful. Real helpful. Thanks, Not guys. knowing that it was Matthew McConaughey. Uh, <laughs> but it was 
yeah. also the best part is that uh, our producer, Caroline, was like, she was very uh, conscious and kind about it because she texted me off our group chain and she was like, yeah, you're like, oh, you're like low-key Bateman. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'll take you it. Truly are. You truly are. In a tailspin. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, I'm feeling petty. Uh, you know, now as a lot of people who have lived their life in the public eye for a long time are sort of like exiting the public eye, getting later on in years, um, there are a lot of men who are choosing to shoot themselves right in the dick on the way out, just completely light their legacy on fire, completely just whatever goodwill they had from the public, just kind of just pee all over it. Uh, the latest guy to do that is Jan Wenner, who is the co-founder of Rolling Stone. Uh, he uh, made some comments in a New York Times interview published last Friday about female and black musicians and basically said, um, here, I'm reading this quote. The people had to meet a couple criteria, but it was just kind of my personal interest in love of them. Insofar as the women, just none of them were as our were as articulate enough on this intellectual level. These are the words that he said to criticize black female artists, black artists, female artists, and justify his exclusion of them from Rolling Stone. <laughs> this is his quote. I'm just going to read it again because these are the words he said in the right order. The people had to meet a couple criteria, but it was just kind of my personal interest and love of them. Insofar as the women, just none of them, were as articulate enough on this intellectual level. This is him critiquing <laughs> how articulate other people were. Uh, Stevie Wonder, genius, right? I suppose when you use a word as broad as masters, the fault is using that word. Maybe Marvin Gaye or Curtis Mayfield. I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level. I oh hope God. the ghost of Tina Turner haunts his dreams for the rest of his fucking life. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> a reaction to man. that. What a stupid, what a stupid motherfucker. What like, a you didn't, stupid yeah. motherfucker. What an own goal. What an absolute dick punching of himself. Like mm -hmm. he did not have to say that to the New York Times. Like there was just absolutely no reason for him to make those comments about female and black musicians uh, to the New York Times. But uh, he was swiftly removed from the board of directors of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation after those uh, comments went public. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's like, really just kind of lighting his legacy on fire on his way out. And something that I think this uh, – a silver lining here is that anybody who – believed that black artists and female artists were being excluded from Rolling Stone for like, yes. you know, a reason. Uh, and that a Rolling Stone objectively knew who was good and who wasn't good. This blows that theory completely out of the water. Mm -hmm. It was literally a fucking bigoted guy who is the gatekeeper of what was considered good rock and roll music deciding that Black people and women were not good enough. I can't um, wait to hear his take on cancel culture in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be appearing on Russell Brand's. Uh, oh, new oh show! God. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, they no, no. That's that's. I'm just guessing. <laughs> this is me just guessing what's going to happen. Um, Tian, petty or sanity this week? Petty. I want to talk about poop. Okay, um, you know I'm always I, here for that. 
I'm not a dog owner, so I feel like this might feel controversial to dog owners, but I, I don't like it when dog owners throw their dog's poop into my trash can. Like, is that a – that's bad. I had – the other day, I had three bags in my trash can, and maybe I would feel differently if I was a dog owner, but I feel like maybe just hold your poop until you get home and then throw it in your own trash can, because now I have to like have a trash can that smells bad for a week, and it wasn't my dog's poop. That's I'm feeling quite petty about that. I just want you to throw your poop in your trash can. Is that crazy? Am I? Is that too no, much? That feels very reasonable to no. me. Feels thank you. Feels fair. Um, I also thank you. I would say from the perspective of a person walking a dog, walking an entire walk with poop in one hand and a leash in the other is unpleasant. But you could also make the point that but you signed up for exactly, that. Exactly. <laughs> when you when you have a dog, <laughs> you get unconditional love, and you have to in exchange carry bags of shit around. Thank you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You could also say, like, that's probably why one of my neighbors on trash collection day, as soon as the garbage truck comes, she's, like, Pulls sprinting it in. out there to, like, pull it in. Cause so I made that mistake the, the last week. Yeah. I had three bags in there just cooking in the, in the, LA, in the LA sun. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Anna? Here's the, here's the thing. <laughs> Uh-oh. As someone who is a low-stakes thrill seeker and a dog owner— I, not all the time, I mostly carry the bags home, but sometimes not even out of like, I feel like throwing it out or I don't care. It's really like, I would like to get, see if I get in trouble today. <laughs> I'll put the dog's poop in someone's, normally when yeah. we're like away, like far from home. Here's my thing, because I've heard this before. <laughs> How much fucking time are you spending with your head in your garbage can? It's right by my house. But ha- with the top off? No, top down. But even Are when, you I, like I, when I open it, I don't in there. Have, like it's yes. a garbage can. No, I'm taking meetings in there. <laughs> <laughs> What's like, what is the expectation of nice smelling from garbage can in Los Angeles? But I don't want poop smelling. When Here, it's not a but poop here's, that I've provided, like that that has. I, here's my thing. I'll okay. This I'll never do it because I'm a a big pickup stuff girl. But if someone I picture in my head, if someone confronted me, I'd reach in the garbage and take it out, rip open the bag, and dump it on the ground. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but it's what I picture every time. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Like Anna. what? Do you, the, you know how many people leave their dog poop on the ground or leave the bag. No, that I understand. That, it's I'm garbage. So, I'm so glad that people are picking it up. I just, it's just, I don't want it in my trash can. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it's fair for you to not want it in your trash can, but for you to expect people to not throw it in there is, I don't, I think it's a fool's errand. <laughs> it is a fool's errand. And you are a fool. And I won't confront anyone because they'll open bags and, and smush them in my yard. People are not doing well. That's the, <laughs> the takeaway. I think that's I think that's what it is, too. I think there was something about seeing three bags of poop in a double strike in my, and I was just like, what is this? What's society called? <laughs> in many ways, like, you are the trash can. The poop is everything. <laughs> they wouldn't have done it if they respect you is where I would go. Like, Yes. Um, Thank you. But then I'm also like, 
COVID happened and I deserve to just put poop in the garbage. <laughs> I'm like, I deserve a fucking break. Mm-hmm. COVID happened and I deserve to take meetings in my trash can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just roll in. You like, it's mobile. It's got wheels. And it's COVID I like the sound. Safe. I like the acoustics in it's there. It's COVID safe. You can take it into a meeting room. It's better than a face mask. Um, <sighs> it does smell like poop though. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anna, Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? I mean, I feel like my petty was filled by Tan's thing. Um, <laughs> I think you should be able to throw it out. Um, I think I, I don't know if this is petty, but I'm going to do petty because it's not sanity. Did you cover the air traffic controllers shortage? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Daily did a episode on September 5th about um, they were trying to do something about all the delays that are happening with people's flights getting delayed over and over. That's just, if you have a friend who's traveled recently, it's likely that they have some kind of nightmare story about like being on the tarmac for five hours. Um, and it's because of a shortage of air traffic controllers and the daily set out to do a story about what are all these delays about? I have to get to my sister's house. And what they found was everyone in the air traffic control industry was desperate to tell a story of how often passenger planes are nearly colliding with each other. Oh, I saw this. Uh, Yes, I did see that. Uh, I fucking, I'm not afraid of flying. So I kind and I'm a little morbid. So I kind of love this shit that like, because everybody's so tired and working crazy shifts and there aren't, it, it goes back to Reagan. He laid off or he fired all of the striking air traffic controllers, uh, during a strike and replaced them. So now there's like, there's a limit of how many I'm doing a bad job. Just listen to the daily, but it was like basically because of Reagan, uh, firing all these people, there's just this perennial shortage and it's an incredibly high stress job that doesn't pay well enough for how stressful it is. Um, yeah, just constant near misses of planes being like, oops. Oh, my God. <laughs> Getting a little too close. No, thank oh you. I really want to do a podcast series about how much Ronald Reagan fucking sucked. <laughs> like, I feel like enough time has passed now that there are a lot of people that are, you know, people who were born after 1990 never were alive when he was, you know, around. He wasn't the, well, I guess he stopped being president in 1989. But you know what I mean? They weren't alive when he was the president. And, like, he fucking sucked. He did so many shitty things. It's not yeah. good. It also might have been good. Nixon. I get them mixed up. No, it was I Reagan. It was Reagan no. that fired okay, thank the you. air traffic yeah. controllers because they tried to go on strike and then he was like, we're cracking down. Yeah, he fucking sucked. What a terrible, Oof. terrible export for the state of California. I deeply regret it. And for the Hollywood industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to stop electing actors to stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Pratt better not be moving to Montana because that's <laughs> fucking whack. Okay, that is all the time we have for this episode of Hysteria. Tian Tran, thank you so much for coming by. Anna Dresden, thank you for gracing us with your presence. Senator Lindsey Port of Minnesota, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, we're doing this new thing on Hysteria where we are giving a shout out to listeners who have gotten in touch because we love you guys and we think you're great and we want to shine a little light on you. We got an incredible email email from a listener that I'm going to read right now. Hi, you two. Just wanted to send a note to let you know how your encouragement helped me out. I've been a longtime listener to PSA and only more recently started listening to Hysteria. Uh, Our listener says they've been through a lot in the last few years, a lot of personal issues, and she's been working on them. 
And then she says, when you gave a shout out a few months ago and encouraged women to get a mammogram this year, it motivated me to take action and go get a much needed women's exam along with additional needed health evaluations. Unfortunately, this revealed some unwanted results. However, after additional follow-up care, it looks like early detection and treatment for me is going to save my life. I wanted to let you know that your words of motivation have been an integral part of saving my life. That's kind of a big deal to me. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That is so wonderful. Um, Our listener, Jerry, sent us that. And yeah, if you're thinking about going to the doctor, but you've been putting it off, you should just go. Here's your reminder. Just go. You might find out some bad news, but you might have the tools immediately to address them and reverse course and get headed in the right direction. So thank you so much for writing us, Jerry. We That is incredible. If you want to get in touch and possibly be shouted out to, you can reach us at hysteria at crooked.com. There are several people who read that email. All of us are nice unless you are mean to us. Then we laugh about the meanness of the emails and we make fun of you on our text chain. But we, uh, so, so if you're going to email us something, just remember, uh, don't get too, too personal because like four people, me, Fiona, Caroline and Alyssa can all can all read it. All right, that's all the time we have for this week's show. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan, and Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. <laughs>